This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood. Our topic today, constructing a killer pitch. Now, whether it's pitching to a boardroom, you know, pitching a multi-million dollar agreement to a boardroom full of stakeholders, or whether it's presenting to a small business owner at a cafe, pitching your solution is perhaps the most critical step in the entire media sales process. I speak to a lot of media salespeople, and many of them are kind of obsessed to the point of distraction with what their competitors can offer, do, or have. You hear excuses like, we'll never be able to win that. Our competitors can discount heavier than us. They've got a larger audience than us. They have this product that we don't. You know, they spend more on client entertainment, etc., etc. My strong belief is that the right pitch, orchestrated in the right way, can overcome many obstacles faced by media salespeople. Our expert guest today, uh, Adam Finesse. Now, he's the Managing Director, Asia Pack for a company called Impact. I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about his experience and what he does in his current role and what Impact are all about. But he's a great guest to have for this topic and very excited to get into this one. The first five. Adam Finesse, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Jamie. Good to be here, mate. I notice you throw me a like on LinkedIn whenever I uh, upload a new episode, mate. Have you listened to much of it? Have you had a chance to with all that international travel you haven't been doing in the last year? <laughs> um, I've listened to a couple of episodes. I uh, haven't listened to all of them, but you know, I do like to support, mate, what it is that you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Well, you and I have known each other a while. You did a you did a tour of duty up here in Brisbane. You're now based in Sydney, um, managing director APAC and Australia and uh, and Asia. I think it is yeah. for Impact. <laughs> yeah. Tell us tell us a little bit about your career in media, your current role, your current company, and then we might sort of dive into the uh, into the main topic all around constructing a killer pitch. Yeah. So maybe I'll focus on 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 sort of pitching. I suppose so. Man, it's been 20 years, 20 years of pitching, been in direct sales, agency sales, been in radio, TV, cross-platform, so that's, you know, across sort of online and magazines and TV all combined. That was back in the 9MSN days, MI9, I believe it is now. Um, sold new media, so digital radio, sold podcasts as well, advertising in podcasts, programmatic advertising, so that's... um you know, kind of uh, automated advertising, I guess you could say. And more recently, the last sort of three years, I've been pitching software as a service, so SaaS technology. So when you think about it, there's been various products, new mediums, different stage businesses. Um, I've worked all throughout Asia Pacific, um, always been based in Australia, but spent a lot of time um, in Asia and in the U.S., um, so some of the companies that I've worked for, many of your listeners will know, um, companies like Southern Cross Stereo, Macquarie Radio Network, Nine Entertainment Company. Um, Radium One was the programmatic business, and now I'm, I'm currently managing director for Impact, and we have offices in Sydney, Singapore, Shanghai, and um, opening up in Tokyo next month. It's kind of great to have you on here because I think. We might explore a bit, you know, not only pitching, but obviously cross-cultural pitching and, and pitching in different markets around the world and where some of those 
nuances and social norms might differ. But I suppose to set this up, mate, you know, we often think of pitching as a very theatrical process. You know, people think pitching, they think of shows like Dragon's Den from the UK. They think of Shark Tank, maybe not the Australian one. I think <laughs> I think maybe more of the American one yeah. with, um, you know, with the, the big billion dollar deals they do. Um, the big, you know, the big Hollywood movie idea pitch like Ari Gold from Entourage. Think think about effective sales pitches, though. They can really take many forms, can't they? Would you? Is that a fair statement? Would you agree with that? Look, I think there's a common misconception uh, in seeing the pitch as sort of the start and the end. So I think the pitch starts a lot earlier than most people would think. I think it's the first conversation. It's the first impression with the prospective customer. I think the pitch is every conversation in between. Um, it's really understanding that prospective customer as an individual, what they care about, their organizational dynamics, any politics. And then when it gets, it comes down to the pitch. Maybe it's a pitch with no slides. Uh, maybe it's a PowerPoint. Maybe it's a whiteboard. Maybe it's a mixture. Um, you know, personally, I'm not a fan of only PowerPoint and I much prefer finding a way to uh, use PowerPoint or slides to support a more, more kind of personal interactive engagement. Um, so I guess there's various ways that you can you can pitch. Yeah, it's a really good point too because I think, you know, we often think of pitching as a very transactional type of activity, don't we? We see it as you kind of come in and a, a deal will live or die based on how good somebody can go in and deliver a pitch to the room. And it certainly feels like in the trading environment we're in and in the market we're in, and certainly, you know, I would imagine in SaaS, which is a much more complex enterprise sale, um, it's a multifaceted approach, isn't it? It's, it's you know, you might be dealing with a customer, customer over a much longer cycle of time and sort of stepping them through a bit of a sales process. Mate, 100%. Yeah, 100%. It, it's definitely not um, when you walk into that room, uh, it's definitely not the only time that you should be speaking to those people that are in the room um, mm. and the only time that you should be pitching to them. It's a little mini closes along the way as, as well. So getting their buy-in on the idea and the concept and where you're at, getting the feedback along the way. And so then the pitch is just bringing it all together. That sort of dovetails into the first question. Media Sales Mastery. Before we go any further, it's probably worth clearing one thing up. You know, a good pitch of a bad solution isn't going to work, right? So we're not necessarily talking about here's how you can sort of do the uh, the smoke and mirrors on a bad a bad solution or a bad service. But so you know, to set this up, what would be the absolute critical things that a media salesperson would need to have done before they actually start to develop their pitch or rehearse their pitch or get it ready for a client? Yeah. So look, a pitch is definitely a journey. It's it's not a destination. Do your research. Definitely do your research. So have a plan. Think about the people dynamic. Uh, think about their, their process. Kind of what is the decision-making process? Are there any legal departments involved? What are their pain points? How do they react to price? So what's their price sensitivity? Why do they need um, what you're selling? Is it, is it important to think through as well? So maybe finding even a, a, a framework um, at Impact, we follow a framework which is the command of message, which is kind of this mantra framework where we look at before scenarios. So where is the business before that they take on our, our technology and what are the negative consequences of them not doing anything? And then what are those after scenarios and what are the positive business outcomes 
Um, we talk about required capabilities. So what is the business? What do they actually need? And how do they judge whether those required capabilities are going to actually make some kind of difference? So that's where you talk about metrics. And then we talk about, you know, how do we do it? How do we do it better than our competitors? And then it's about proof points as well. So case studies, customers, and we always get them to speak, um, get prospective customers to speak with current customers uh, to get a bit of an, uh, bit of an idea. So there's a bit of a process there. There's another method, um, that you could, could use. It's called MedPick, um, similar kind of scenario where, where you go through various points there. M in the MedPick is for metrics. So how do they kind of judge, um, that it's going to be successful? What are the metrics they're looking at? Economic buyer is the E. So who's the one that actually signs off on the, on the deal? Who has the money? Um, D is a decision making process. Um, it also stands for decision criteria. P is for paper process. What's the flow of that paper within their organization to get those sign offs, which may involve various stakeholders as well as a legal department. That may take some time. I is for identifying the pain. And then C in, in this med pick, there's actually three C's. One's for competition, second's for champion. So who's the person within that organization that can actually help you um, construct the deal, get the deal done? And the third C is for compelling event. So what's the thing? What's the reason why they're going to buy what it is that you have? What's the thing that's driving the sale? Why is it now? It's just a couple of different frameworks there. Mate, it's really good to hear that kind of framework that you've got there and both very robust. And it's interesting, I think... We have a tendency, maybe at the moment, response times have, have effectively cut in half, you know, in the agency market. Um, you know, briefs are being issued, people are being expected to turn around really high quality work and really well put together pitches under, you know, major time constraints. And I do worry sometimes that those types of frameworks are just sort of left by the wayside because they're, they're seen to be maybe creating a bit of drag or we don't have time for that. We have a shorthand with the agency. We know how they like to plan and buy let's not worry. But, you know, you reveal some good things there around like, who is the economic buyer in this transaction? Who's an influencer? Um, what are the, what are some of those hidden competitive challenges that might reveal themselves? It's it's a really interesting area to unpack. Sort of reflecting on impact and, and maybe the last 12 months and, and how you guys have been going to market and maybe pitching solutions. Has there been any noticeable changes in the way you've had to adapt the way you pitch your product or service in the market? Look, I think there's been a massive demand for what it is that we, we do. So we do a lot with kind of those businesses that have transactions on online. Um, and there's been this massive move uh, from COVID into kind of more online sort of transactional businesses, whether that's kind of more e-com plays, um, where businesses that traditionally may have had bricks and mortar have now had to accelerate their digitization, uh, I should say. So... There's been a massive demand there, but as I think about these these frameworks, and I think about you know the the typical kind of media salesperson, it's about starting early with it. So it's not like every single brief uh, that you have to restart kind of this framework. It's every time you get a bit of bit of information, it's kind of you can add it to the 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 framework. So whether that's some kind of mantra that you have, which I went through on those before scenarios and negative consequences and after scenarios and positive business outcomes, or whether you use a framework like the MedPick, 
Um, it should be active all the time, so it's not really a stop and start every 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 single time. So in fact, yeah, I think right. it can help you uh, accelerate your responses to briefs because you've got the information there. And then if you don't have a piece of information, you can ask the question then and there when you're being briefed so you can fill it out and you can respond a lot quicker. Mate, fantastic. That's a really great answer and, and great insight there, particularly when we are you know, selling in the markets where we are having multiple transactions and delivering multiple pitches to the same customers and client base. Um, mate, getting a bit tactical here with the next question. Let's talk about the role of time in a pitch. You know, you're in the room, you've got the captive audience. Understand that there's a pretty broad spectrum of, of um, solutions that a media salesperson can present, but how long should a pitch last? And, and is there any sort of duration that's maybe a bit of overkill? Um, and if so, why? <laughs> oh, look, my attention span is pretty, is pretty limited. <laughs> so the shorter, the better. <laughs> look, it, it, I think it definitely has to be under an hour. So I think it has to be under an hour, and that would have to include some question time as, as well. Um, I think the time of pitch, like you don't want to be on 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, unless you're pitching at the pub, which is a is a different type of pitch. Um, <laughs> I think the the pitch is the time to get all those key stakeholders in the room to present the idea or solution that you've you've developed, and hopefully you've collaborated with them, got them excited about the journey and what lies together. Um, so a shorter period of time excite them, ignite them, get aligned, get the buy-in, but the pitch is definitely not where the deal gets done. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really key insight. You know, there's a, there's a book called Pitch Anything, um, and it's a very American sort of style of, I guess, the technique that he goes into, the author, but he made a point of saying, you know, the, I think the maximum attention span that somebody has um, is about 20 minutes. And he says, so there's there's almost like a reset that needs to occur multiple times through a pitch that goes longer. So, do you do you share that opinion? Like, if you if it was an hour pitch, would there be th- certain things you'd have to introduce, i.e., Q and A time or some form of discussion or something like to almost kind of bring the attention of the room back back in? One hundred percent. Like, even when I said, you know, it needs to be under an hour. An hour, like, I, I kind of I get a bit squirmish even even sort of saying that. So. I think mm-hmm. you can you can break it up, right? Like it's um, definitely has to be question time. I mean, I love to get interaction in pitches as well. You don't want to just have this PowerPoint which you're trying to throw down people's throats. You want to get them in involved um, in the in the sort of the story of the, of the pitch as well. Get them bought in. Get them asking questions. Get them you know excited about what it is that you can you can do for them. I think they're the best best pitches. In fact, I was listening to one of your earlier episodes. It was episode eleven. Uh, Slidebean, I think it was Kaya. Uh, I think yep. the guy's name. Yep. Kaya. Yep. Uh, he talks about storytelling a lot about storytelling, and that's what the that's what the pitch is. So you want that audience involved in your story, and you want kind of you want an interactive story as as the pitch. The most recent episode we did um, was with Michelle Pitt from Realizer, and um, it was all around proposal building and she goes into that a lot too, like, you know, narrative, you know, storytelling, there's a character, there's a, there's a beginning, a challenge, a middle and end. Um, I guess in many ways, a, a good pitch is almost an extension of that, isn't it? It's, it's being able to kind of lay it out in that sequential order and, and be able to take them on that journey 
you know, um, 100%. almost almost like a narrative. Yeah, I mean, and this is probably one of the ones you know, leaning on your time in media. Maybe the scenario would be you going in and pitching a big deal, like a big annual contract. Um, you've got multiple stakeholders in the room. Maybe there's an agency, there's a marketing team, maybe there's some active members of a licensee board um, <laughs> in a room. You probably <laughs> know the client I'm suggesting here, but you know, who who first of all should probably be in that room? Um, in terms of you know their roles, and and how do we ensure that we could probably address the needs and concerns of multiple different parties in that type of dynamic? I guess who needs to be in the room from from their side? I mean, you'd want you'd want key decision makers in the room. Ideally, you'd want the champion, so that person that you've been talking to that can sell your business within that organisation, um, and and the person signing signing the deal uh, from mm. your side. Um, a couple of different levels if you can get the levels that are matching their side which is which is a good thing to do um, yeah great call out yeah so matrix sort of level or ma- matching is I think is important it's understanding the needs of the various stakeholders is is important in the lead up to the pitch so hopefully you're um, able to find those out the needs of the stakeholders and be able to tailor um, the pitch to address those needs and, and kind of call them out through the pitch and check in and check in regularly. Uh, if you've got a quick turnaround time and you don't have um, enough time to check in too many times before the pitch, at least check in once before and just mm. kind of headline where you're heading directionally and do that with your champion and maybe one or two other stakeholders if you've got them as connections or even get someone senior in your organization. If, you, if you're pitching to a C-level on their side, get your... CEO or your sales director or your commercial director to have that conversation and go, hey, this is what we're going to pitch. This is kind of where we're at. This is what we're thinking. How does that land with you? Where does that sit? And just get a bit of a sense before you go in directionally. Such a great call out, mate, because I think, you know, I think the word for it is persuasion. It's almost like you're persuading in the room, but it's like, what can you do to stack the odds in your favor before you go in the room? And one of the things that I think is a good call out here is you should never really pitch a new idea to a completely cold room. You should potentially kind of have one or two people that are that are stakeholders that are going to be in that pitch. Use them as a sounding board beforehand. You know, get them on board, get them to somewhat support you before you then go in and pitch it in the room. So really good call out. And I think also, um, you know, the next question, it sort of leads me to this because there's a lot of talk around the role of creating tension up front in a pitch. Um, and I, I suppose to give that more context, like creating a level of you know fear of missing out or creating a level of understanding that something might be time sensitive or maybe creating some level of competitive tension. You know, you might be pitching a solution to a large brand that you know has a big competitor in the market that might be outmaneuvering them. Is that kind of that creation of tension, is that something that you can maybe expand on a little more? Have you had much experience? Is that a tactic that you guys use or is it something that um, maybe isn't appropriate for every scenario? Look, I can see where it may it may be used, but I, I prefer to kind of bring the prospective customer along on on the journey. So they're already kind of bought in. So they feel it's almost like their their idea. So I always like to sort of start with them and what you've heard, um, you know, asking them whether anything is, has changed. Um, kind of, I think this is key to level set everyone within the room. 
and focus on what you're going to do to help them in a unique, compelling and different way. Uh, how will you give them reassurance that you're the right choice? This is where the kind of the proof points is important as well and providing the validation. To create some tension, um, I think, could work as part of the overall kind of pitch, I suppose. But I think maybe creating the tension as well as having them bought into the idea which has already been created collectively would be a powerful, more powerful thing to do. I just think that sometimes creating tension alone may be inauthentic and it may be a mm. short-term tactic, not a long-term strategy. Yeah, it does feel very tactical. Um, and, you know, it's funny when I put that question down, I was, I was just curious about it because there's been two to three big pitches in my career I can recall where that really was the strategy going in. Um, you know, and it wasn't done in an inauthentic way, but it was kind of going in and saying, there is a genuine missed opportunity here if we don't act now in this re in this fashion, or, um, you know, we're starting to see your category really heat up and here's some of the trends that, that are, are informing that and, and maybe a reason why potentially we need to take this course of action. So I think, yeah, use it sparingly and use it when it's use it when it's actually relevant and when it is it is part of I guess putting the solution to the client rather than maybe an afterthought to create. And, and a bit use of, it, and yeah. I'd say I'd say use it when it's real. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Use it. You know, don't don't actually use it. Like it's it's almost integrated into the pitch if it is relevant and applicable. And true. <laughs> and, and true, of course. And and, and true because it is. You know, some of these these things are true. If you've got a big if you've got a big sponsorship opportunity and their competitor is about to buy it, um, like use that. Absolutely yep. use that as a why buy now. Like, hey, this, you know, your competitor is about to is about to buy this. It's your opportunity, but it is kind of first in best dress with this one. Um, now, they may not believe you, but when the competitor has actually bought it, then they're going to believe you the next time you say. Well, that's right. And that's why I think it's it's about using it sparingly when it is true because you could really burn credibility quick, but you could also establish it quick um, in that scenario you pointed out. You know, and I think maybe this is something that um, everybody's struggling with, but, you know, we know that the media environment is becoming infinitely more complex. There's certainly a much broader product suite that media salespeople are being expected to sell across and to be familiar with. And we're definitely putting solutions together that are harnessing a much richer mix of assets. So that's great, right? Like, I think that's actually exciting and it keeps things very exciting for us and we love going and pitching those new solutions but do we kind of have this tipping point where too much detail can be kind of overkill like how would you recommend a media salesperson with a really complex solution how do they potentially kind of strike that balance of just enough information in that pitch versus maybe overkill just cut through the noise you know it's like what's what's really important i used to think about um slides when I was when I was doing writing slides, or even now when I'm kind of reading them, and I look at it and I think, who gives a shit? Like the thing on the slide is like, who actually gives a shit? And the other thing mm. is, what's in it for me? Like, and when if you if you go through that, and the what's in it for me is is for the actual audience. It's like what's in it for them. Like if you can't answer those questions, like who gives a shit? And so what? And what's in it for them? Kind of like take it out of your pitch or take it out, take it out of your, your sort of your presentation. So I think cutting through the noise, um, think about what's really important. Um, prioritize 
um, push back, get to the real problem or the opportunity, and turn the heat up on either the pain or the or the pleasure. Speak the customer's language, use their terminology, and make the complex simple and the simple compelling. Mm, mm, really nice. And this is sort of the last question, and I think we've covered it a bit, but it'd be good to hear you unpack it a bit, particularly from maybe pitching and presenting around the world and in different markets. But, you know, you're walking into a room to do a pretty high-stakes pitch. What can you do beforehand to help stack the odds in your favor, particularly around getting an understanding of the dynamic of the room and the people in the room? So I guess what I mean by that is, you know, how do you ensure that when you walk into that room and you have five to six people you really understand not only what it is that you need to do to address their concerns and their needs, but also the interpersonal dynamic that they might have with each other and maybe the hierarchy and some of the cultural kind of nuances that might be at play too. Yeah, it can get really, really interesting. Start on LinkedIn. It's probably a good place to, to start. Um, kind of map it out, right? Map out these roles, responsibilities, ask mutual connections, about them as well, and then fill that out in your in your in your matrix. It is all about preparation. Um, try to find a personal connection. Um, are they into a certain sport? Are they on a board of a charity? Are they involved in a charity in an industry body? What what are they passionate about? Did they speak at something at an event um, on a podcast? Have they written some content, an article lately? Um, like really research it. Connect with them beforehand if you can. Bring up a topic that was raised in one of the bits of content that that you found. Um, also know your know your competitors, know your uh, competitors' weaknesses, and also your weaknesses and what they may have said about you. Mm. Set some trap setting questions as as well. So find subtle ways to ask questions about things that your competition can't do or um, don't have that make in your in the eyes of that prospective customer in the in the pitch make them realize that your solution is actually better for them so it's ways to kind of differentiate think also admitting a negative to gain a positive can be a powerful thing so acknowledging some negative feedback and and focus on what you've done about it how you've resolved it how you've improved the the situation but once again it's it is all about this kind of preparation and i'd say that understanding the people the people dynamic, the politics at, at play that could be within their organisation and hierarchy and doing that in, a, in a, a planned and strategic way prior is, is super important. I can't ask my sales manager that. So we're in the last segment, mate, and this is a listener-submitted question. Let's jump into it. Every year we get summoned to the boardroom of one of our agencies to pitch for an annual contract worth £3 million. This is usually in front of the agency, the client and the marketing team, so a lot of people. They only ever give us 30 minutes, and I always feel like we're on the back foot. And we haven't carried the business in about three years now, and every year we get told the contract and the proposal was fine, but that the room favoured another supplier after seeing their presentation. I really don't know what we're missing. So have you got any tips for us as to how to uncover what we aren't doing that they are? And of course, how we can combat it for this year. Um, and a bit of a time-sensitive one because it's a new fin year contract renewal. So um, kind of timely we're addressing it now. What do you think sort of reflecting on that? Any, <laughs> any initial thoughts? 
So there was a time when I worked in Brisbane, as as you know, Jamie, um, and I was working at a radio station. I was, I was working at Southern Cross Stereo in, in Brisbane, and we kept losing a pitch to um, a competitor in Brisbane. It was Nova. We kept losing to Nova, um, and we kept losing Subway to Nova. And uh, I went into the, the agency, which was Icon, uh, and I asked the CEO of Icon, you know, why do, why do we keep losing this pitch to Nova? We have a larger audience. Um, we have better talent. Um, we will do kind of whatever needs to, needs to be done to, to win the pitch. And we've, we've tried it the last sort of couple of years, but we continually are losing. And the CEO of Icon said to me, Adam, the client just loves Nova. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, that's irrational. She's like, Adam, the client just loves Nova. And it was at that point, this was one of the greatest learnings of my career was it's about irrational love. How do you create irrational love with your current customers and your prospective customers that it doesn't matter if someone else is, is better on paper, doesn't matter if they've got a larger audience, a cheaper rate, but they just love doing business with you and your brand so deeply, they're bought into it, but they don't want to go anywhere else. Mm. It's not a short answer to your, to your question because it starts kind of now, but the answer is, is creating irrational love. It's and and basically that's a relation that's relationships. Well, I think you're right, Matt. Like this is what I was reading into this too. Was um, again, you know, these questions sometimes are really hard to unpack because you could you could completely miss the mark. But if I had to go, what's happening here? The the competitor is clearly very good at retention and growth of the account. Like, you know, I'm sure they go into a pitch and it's like. They know the business. They've held it for three years. They've spent the last six to 12 months investing in the relationship, building leverage, building value, um, deepening their understanding. You know, they've gone on journeys together. And if they're smart, they've probably sold a bunch of different things that are really hard to unpick. Um, you know, a lot of things that, that potentially have made the relationship very sticky um, that are hard to walk away from. So it is a tough one for, for this particular um, individual. And I guess to your point, that idea of having to create the irrational love, um, what might be an approach? You know, they're not on the contract. Maybe they've got eight weeks. Maybe it's about setting it up for next year rather than in eight weeks' time. But what would be some of the steps that they might need to take here in order to um, start to build that level of rapport with the client? I would, I would get a number of levels of connection with the, with the client, CEO to CEO, marketing director, marketing director, commercial director, commercial director, whatever you, whatever you can get. Yep. Get those levels of connection. Um, encourage those individuals to have the, 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 the conversations and listen. Like ask them questions around, you know, what are you trying to achieve? What, what are your biggest business pro- problems right, right now? What's keeping you up at, up at night? Um, what are you seeing in this um, business that you're not seeing in, in us? Um, how can we add value kind of to your world? Like get, get really deep with them as soon as you can, as quickly as you can, and have have the level on your organization speaking to the same level of their, their organization. Ask them questions, 
and just shut up and, and listen. And then when you come back and you pitch, use that information in the, in the pitch. Mm. If you've only got eight weeks, you have to do it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, four weeks because I'm not uploading this episode straight away too. <laughs> if um, you've only got four weeks, you have to do it now. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the other things here that I think is interesting is um, I've been in that scenario too, mate. Sales director of a team, you're constantly getting outmaneuvered, you're losing. Um, sometimes, you know, I actually think sometimes a really kick-ass pitch can can overcome a lot of that stuff. But it's also about you know, that, that whole thing of thinking about the relationship and going, you know, to some extent, inertia is pretty powerful, but people also like the new shiny thing and people do like change for change's sake sometimes too, particularly in our market. So I would also start to think about areas where maybe the relationship has become a little stale after three years. You know, what are the things in your kit bag or what are the things you do that are potentially unique and valued by the client that maybe the competitor doesn't have? Um, maybe they've been taking the relationship a bit for granted. Maybe they're going to be cocky this time. So how can you do some things to potentially capitalize on that or to, to unearth whether that's happening through your conversations? So yeah, I think to your point, Adam, it's, it's first of all, just about going in and, and really having a frank conversation and asking the question. Um, there's no marketer or agency person that's not going to entertain that chat because they see it as, as driving more value, um, and creating more competitive tension anyway. So, um, yeah, really good. Interesting to hear you reflect on your time in Brizzy too, mate. <laughs> I've got one more. I've actually got one more thing to add there, which I think. Um, so I think one way that you can really differentiate is ask deep questions prior to the pitch and really get to that pain, like really mm. get to that pain, what what they're trying to achieve and listen, listen to them and then make sure that you're playing that back to them in the pitch and and really shining shining the light on it, make it make it exciting, make and, and ignite their their desire to actually want to do business with you, because you've listened to them and you've heard something that maybe your competitor hasn't heard because they've been complacent. Yep, absolutely. Hey, uh, look, thanks, Adam. Great to talk to you again, mate. It's been a while. It's been a long time Good between chat, I'm sure people are probably going to want to reach out to you, pick your brain. Where's the best place for people to find you? If you want to reach out, go on LinkedIn. Uh, look, look for Adam Finesse um, in in Sydney. I don't think there's any others. Uh, there may be, so just look for the guy with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> the trademark black dark rim glasses. Um, and I suppose you know the uh, the only thing that we sort of ask everyone to do at the end of an episode, mate, is to maybe just leave the audience with maybe a parting thought on the topic. So, you know, constructing a killer pitch, if we were to take away one thing this week and maybe try to apply immediately, what, what might that be, mate? Think about the, the journey of the pitch. So the pitch itself, when you go into a room and you present something, isn't the be-all and end-all. You need to think about how, how you kind of lead up to it, what preparation that you do, how you're going to excite, ignite them in the room and encourage them to you know, go with you as, as a solution provider. So it is a journey, it's a narrative, it's a story. It's not just that 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes that you have in the room. Adam Finesse, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. All the best with, uh, with Impact. And it's really exciting to hear what you're doing in that space, mate. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast sometime real soon. Good to be here, Jamie. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery. 
the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week. Thank <laughs> you.